We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following the journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred and five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 251. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me, as always, the co-host with the co-most. Welcome back, Tyler. How's it going, my man? It's good. I'm refreshed, relaxed, and ready to talk some Spider-Man. Dude, it's funny because last time we talked, you were a little bit, like, on your come down from having all this work happen, so you were like a little bit over exhausted, you know. And then, like today, I'm a little bit over exhausted, but I'm like my energy. As soon as we started talking, I was like, "Womp!" Like it's time to fucking party. Let's go, you know. Like let's get into this. Especially like you said today, I'm just gonna be really fucking straight up. We're probably gonna spend like ten minutes doing a non-spoilery review of Far From Home, just to be fair to people who are gonna be listening to this episode. But we are going to spoil the fuck out of, talk about our, uh, what we think is coming next and all those kinds of things, theorize and whatnot. On this show, we're going to try to let you know when we're switching gears and get into the spoilers. So keep your ears open today as you're listening because we don't want you to be like, what the fuck you spoiled Spider-Man, you assholes? Like, we're telling you now. That could happen. Be aware. Be aware. (laughs) If we start breaking down the movie, run away. So, anyways, let's just go ahead and um, get right into the first part of the show, man. What's been good in your world? We uh, just had the 4th of July. Uh, I spent the weekend up on Lake Tippecanoe, got refreshed and revived. and um, Some of that vitamin D from the sun? I got, I got all the vitamin... See, we've talked about it on the show before. I am very vitamin D defi- er, dependent. Yes. So, so, if I don't have... The sun in my life. I'm a I'm a pretty cranky rascal, um, but no, it, it was it was really nice. I grew up by the ocean when I was a kid. The lake's the next next best substitute that I can get. So and and <clears throat> I was telling my in laws and the, the the people that were were graciously hosting us over the weekend that up until this weekend I didn't even know that Lake Tippecanoe existed, but apparently it is the largest uh naturally occurring lake in indiana it's also the deepest 
Wow. Spitting some lake facts at us, my mm-hmm. dude. I love it. Uh, I didn't know there was a Lake Tippecanoe. Where is it kind of located by, like, city-wise? It's in Leesburg. Um, so it's really close to, uh, well, I had I had the name of that city, and now I don't. Um, stand by. Sure. I could throw a bunch of Indiana cities at you, but I don't want to, like, really confuse you. Think about all the places that I drive by. I'm like, is it there? No, it's probably not there. Is it there? No, it's probably not that either. It's definitely not there. Well, I was like semi prepared uh, for today's show until I yeah, asked I was, this. I was semi prepared, and then and then as soon as I started talking about it, um, <sighs> totally, totally lost it. This is every 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 little bit of ability to kind of recount my my experience <laughs> so it's lake tipcanoe is smack dab in the middle between north webster and leesburg indiana which is directly south of syracuse indiana okay okay really so, really close to warsaw that was the that was the city that i was trying to remember there you go so it was like what like a 40 minute drive for you no it's it's about two hours Oh, okay, so a little further. Okay, okay, okay. I think I have a better idea of where that's at. Man, that's awesome, though. You got to spend some time in the sun on a boat. Fucking swimming and doing flips and shit. With your flippy floppies? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And T-Pain? T-Pain uh, was there? Hey, T-Pain is the man. He won the mass Singer. I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched that shit, but that was awesome. Had, I've watched bits and pieces, because uh, like I always say... I, I'm a little bit of a recluse just because I don't have time to do all the shit that I want to do. So you're just like, ah, I'll get to it some year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll retire I'm, eventually. I'm definitely I'm definitely intrigued. Um you sold me on it and then, you know, seeing some of the cast of people that, that were on it. Um I yeah, I'm I'm definitely sold. Hell yeah, man. And and you know, it's kind of weird that we're talking about T Pain on Journey into Comics, um, but I don't know if you've ever seen other than than the Masked Singer any of his, um, you know, not auto tuned up, just just him singing. You know, dude, a, he's like, super talented, like almost Garage Band style. Mm-hmm. The guy is just phenomenally talented. He's a good human being. He was he live loves- action Frylock. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he just loves doing music, man. He just loves having a good time. Yeah, and uh, I think that once you watch the Masked Singer, you'll you'll appreciate him as a person even more because he just like mm-hmm. you're just like, damn, this dude's super talented. But um, no, man, the the Fourth of July weekend was pretty chaotic for me. I guess is the way to say that. Like it went from a lull to like womp because I thought I was gonna see Spider Man on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, Ollie was being a little grumpy, so we decided that's not a good idea. And then we were going to go on Wednesday, and then we had some issues with scheduling, and Sarah forgot she had a lesson, and The Walking Dead 193 came out, and it just like threw everything off. Like There was this like, whole, Wednesday it doesn't happen. I'm like, fuck, am I going to see Spider-Man before we have to do this podcast? Like, what the shit, you know? And then Thursday, I'm like... I don't know if the fucking theater's even going to be open on the 4th of July. I look, it's open, 
and there's nobody pre-buying tickets. And I'm like, what? This theater is, as of right now, empty? Oh, shit. Okay. Doot, doot, doot. I'm like, these are the seats I'd hope that'll be there. I wanted to pre-order them, you know, and I I decided against it. I was like, eh, if something happens tomorrow, I don't want to have wasted this money. You know, we were kind of like 0 for 3 at this point. Right. So get up on Thursday, head down to Lowell. We hang out with V and Ollie for a bit, and then we headed up, man, and uh, went to the theater. It was thirty five percent packed forty percent packed you know uh for for a holiday two thirty showing which was pretty impressive uh we did get the seats we want which was awesome like exactly mm-hmm. where we wanted to sit which was cool uh and not a lot of trailers which I was really happy for for some reason there were only like four trailers boom 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 and then we were in the movie and I was like it's time oh my god yes we're here uh but then to shift because we're going to talk about the movie in a minute. Friday was like, what? I don't even remember what the fuck I did on Friday. Actually, I think I did housework. Probably, I don't. I, for some reason, Friday is not ringing a bell for me. It's just not happening right now. Um. Oh, I know why. Okay, so I went to my buddy Anthony's house, and that in and of itself tells you why my memory is fuzzy. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We hung out and watched Jumanji. The new one? Yes. How was it? I fucking loved it. It is the best video game movie I've ever seen. Like, hands down, best video game movie I've ever seen. Because it actually... You watch it and it plays like a video game. Like, they get into the game. Because, quick premise of the new Jumanji, the board game from the original movie is in this kid's room. And he he looks at it and he's like, I don't got time for board games. And he tosses it to the side. And then he, his friend calls him in some shit and they're like, oh, let's play some video games and shit. So they're hanging out playing video games. Well, this Jumanji board is like, I can't trick kids into playing anymore because video games are so much cooler. Like, fuck. So it turns itself into a cartridge. Okay. So this kid, like you see it, the first kid pick up the controller and then it flash forwards to like modern day or whatever. And then there are four separate kids who have very specific backgrounds. They get dropped into this Jumanji game kind of in a breakfast club style. And Mm -hmm. then they get characters that don't reflect what they actually are. So it forces them to like have strengths they've never played with and deal with weaknesses they've never dealt with. And it really, that dynamic of the game, the movie is awesome. But then like when they get dropped into Jumanji it plays a cutscene that, like, they are witnessing happen. And then, like, it kicks forward. And then the guy who is their guide, uh, Nigel, I think, he just is on repeat. He says the same thing over and over, just like in a video game. The NPCs say the same four or five lines. So that was really funny. I thought the comedy was nice. The story in itself wraps up beautifully. It has a really positive, like, maybe the most underrated movie that, like, never even touched my radar and then what even sold it for me even more is as soon as i finished watching the movie he's like dude we got to watch the trailer for the second one because the second one comes out this year and the second one how they do a sequel for this and what they do with how the first movie wraps maybe the most brilliant idea in a studio's history like it's actually like 
these fucking people really thought about this. It was really good. And then we watched a total departure from Happy and Good. We watched this movie called The Belko Experiment. Do you know what that is? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so it's a James Gunn written flick that he did in 2016 right after Guardians. Uh, and I think it was r- like literally the thing he did right as they were wrapping filming on Guardians 2 or right when Guardians 2 was dropping, somewhere, something like that. And essentially, all these American people go and they are at this like place in Mexico in the desert and it's this big office building. They all walk in. They are like, oh, cool, you know, everybody's happy, and you're like, oh, this is going to be an uplifting, positive story, right? All of a sudden, the whole building goes on fucking lockdown, and all these fucking huge metal shields come up and block them in. And there's a voice on the intercom, and he's like, hello, there are 80 of you in the building. In two hours, if 30 of you aren't dead, we will kill 60 of you. And they're like, oh, it's just a joke or whatever. Ha, 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 funny. And then this chick's head just fucking explodes. And you're just like, oh. And it goes super hardcore thriller. It's it's an awesome flick. And especially with it being a James Gunn movie. It's got all, like, his brothers in it. You know, some of the other cast. Michael Rooker's in it. The guy uh, in Ant-Man, the Russian dude in Ant-Man is in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's really fucking dark and good and... Is cr- it's crazy. It's it's another one of those, like, I definitely uh, suggest it. Saturday, fucking went to my dad's and actually went to my sister's and helped her start working on her bathroom, which they were already, like, kind of deep into the project. They had a bunch of mold and rotten wood and shit they had to pull out. So while they were in the rebuilding process, I was, like, helping them get all the mess cleared, and then we started rebuilding yesterday, finished rebuilding and drywalling today and getting the tub fully assembled and in, and then... Uh, you know, we have to build like a, a two inch false wall because of the way this bathroom is set up. So there's still more to do. I'm actually going to be driving back tomorrow morning to to help finish up because it's just like it like we got to a point today. Where we're like, oh, we're in small town USA and you can't go and just buy the parts you need because the hardware stores fucking closed. The project is stopped. We're done, right. you know? So it was like, I felt bad that we didn't get as far as I wanted us to get. So we're going to drive back tomorrow and, and visit my pops and, and do that. But that's kind of a, a flash forward to what I've been up to lately over the uh, 4th of July weekend. Hell yeah, brother. America. Happy Treason Day. Oh, I like that. Happy Treason Day to you also. Uh, I got to know. I mean, I know because we privately. Oh, look at you wearing a USA shirt today. Still, Fucking still America. sporting your heritage. <laughs> so I know we talked about it via text, but I want to hear you actually talk about it because we haven't. We've avoided the topic at all costs. Uh, what did you think of Spider-Man: Far From Home? Man, it's. <sighs> We are we are so deep into the MCU with so many great casts and so many great stories and just I mean movie after movie the cinematography is almost flawless except a couple I'm looking at you Black Panther I knew um, you were going to call it out those fucking I have rhinos to. I have to every every chance I get um but I I think 
I I'm not I'm not the biggest uh, proponent or super fan of the first Spider-Man. Um, I loved Michael Keaton. Tom Holland's obviously fantastic. It just it wasn't. I mean, I it it's it's tough. Like I said, because like there's so many great films aside from Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, just the two that I always think of right away, uh, Captain America, Civil War, and Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, those are ensemble-type cast movies, so it's definitely not apples to apples. But those movies are so good. They're so well-written. Spider-Man was towards... I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, in the positive section, just not not the greatest one in the franchise or or in the series. And I walked into this film with with no expectations other than it was going to be good. You know, I just expected it to be good. And it was absolutely fantastic, almost flawless. Yeah, I thought the movie hit on every beat. It was start to finish, from the heart. They gave, Like, listen, I, I said this when we left the theater to the gals, I was like, you know, you look at a movie like this and it has to follow Endgame, which is the opus of this first uh, arc of the MCU. To have to follow that and be a solo hero film, really, it has to do something special. And this movie found a way to be epic and huge and larger in scale than we, I think we're really going to realize while also being small and to the heart, you know. So when I look at this movie and I think about, you know, uh, what all did it for me, the first thing that comes to mind is how amazing Jake Gyllenhaal's performance of Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, it was. Uh, Quentin Beck, as you guys know, is one of my all-time favorite supervillains so for them to get the beat of quentin beck flawlessly and i don't just mean that they got his his personality perfect they captured his powers and how to utilize that in the modern times and they took stuff that already existed in the mcu and said here we're just going to tweak this tweak this put you here and now mysterio you're like one of the greatest villains to exist in the mcu single-handedly like, uh, go going in going into this film. One of the only things that I was worried about, and it it wasn't totally warranted, but it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I I am personally a Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Um, but f- for a long time, you know, he's been been rumored to be cast as so many different people that I thought that he was never gonna make his interest into into the series, and. It was incredible. Dude, he he played such a complex... Like, when you get to him in the first part of the movie, he's playing this, like... And I don't want to give away the MacGuffin or anything right yet because we're not doing spoilers or anything, but, like, the first part of the movie, his sincerity is, like, over the top. And you, like, really are starting to feel for this guy. And you're like, maybe he is the guy he says he is, you know? But then when mm-hmm. the layers unfold, it's so much deeper. And like I said, for them to be able to take parts of the MCU that already existed and characters we've already seen in the past and bring them back into this one movie to kind of 
again, wrap this first saga up. This movie hits on all beats, man. Flawless soundtrack, great acting, great script. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the 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 effects were fucking amazing. There are some Easter eggs that I haven't told anybody about yet that we're gonna discuss today that might possibly break the internet because I found a super deep cut Easter egg that they put in the movie that no one is talking about. But we're not there yet because we're still talking about the non-spoiler version of this movie. So, uh, I think if I were to rate this just right out the gate, I did a rapid reaction, by the way, of this on uh, the 4th of July. And uh, my rapid reaction, I gave it a perfect score. I think I'm going to stick with a perfect score. I think it hits on all beats for me. There's not... I look at that movie, I think about it, it had imminent comedy... Like, the comedy was perfect while also having some dark undertones right out the gate. Like, you're doing an in-memorial video to the Fallen, as it were. Uh, and and you have this song, and it has this, like, almost Deadpool feel while also being, you know, totally... Uh, I don't know how to say it, but it's like... I just thought that the movie had so many different levels. It made you feel in different stages. And you were in Parker's shoes feeling his grief, feeling him navigate love. Uh, Betty and Ned's storyline is absolutely amazing. Uh, Oh, you know, you and I talked about that a little bit after the show and or after after I watched the film uh, Friday night. I think that the 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 Betty and Ned storyline might actually be one of my favorite kind of threads from this film. It was just it was so it was so hilarious from start to finish and and the way the way that they ended it and obviously I'm not going to spoil it um you know who's to say that that we don't get more Betty and Ned going forward and I really hope we do. Yes, I I absolutely agree with that. There's a lot of different threads that they played in the narratives and stuff that I can't wait to talk about. But I'm going to just say, um, yeah, 10 out of 10, perfect score for me for this movie. Um, and I think it, it does have a little bit of bias. Again, Mysterio being my all-time favorite villain, someone who, I, I mean, I have all but like three issues he's ever been in of the actual Amazing Spider-Man series. So, um, yeah, it's it's flawless, man. What, about, what did you think? I mean, if you could rate it out of 10, realistically, I know that this... You have a very high standard, so I'm interested to hear where you, where this one lands. So, at, being the the difficult master of unpopular opinion, you know that whole shebang kind of my shtick. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten, just because I thought I thought the Endgame was going to be the perfect film in the MCU. And it had enough flaws that this being okay. L- let me let me rephrase that. Let's rewind. Sure. <laughs> to be the film that closed this phase, this chapter, you know, to follow up the the magnum opus that was Endgame, ten out of ten, perfect all day. As a Spider-Man movie, ten out of ten all day. Um, Peter Parker's not my favorite Spider-Man, so... Is it Miles and, or Ben? 
uh, Ben Riley's my favorite. Yeah, Scarlet. I thought so. I think we had yep. that conversation before. Mm-hmm. So, just for me to be a, a nitpicky super nerd, uh, it'd be better if it was a Ben Riley story and not Peter Parker. But no, no, no. I, I, I totally, totally, one hundred percent agree. Perfect ten out of ten. Man, I don't know. It's just like. Brando said it best to me because he messaged me after the movie, but I hadn't seen it yet. And he said, all I'm going to say is this. You're going to be so happy they waited to do this story and it didn't get done in the Tobey Maguire era or that they didn't try to do it in Andrew Garfield's era because I don't think it would have been done right and it would have tainted the the and the execution, the flawless execution of this movie for everything it pulls off, for all the different threads it's pulling to not only end one chapter... But launch chapter two. Here we go. You know, mm-hmm. this is, and I think it's actually kind of like a perfect, uh, I don't know what the right phrase of turn of phrase is, but it's like the perfect uh, touch that Spider Man, the guy who leaps, you know, from bound to bound and whatnot, is going to jump us into the next chapter. So uh, <clears throat> I think that we should go ahead. And let people know right now that we're going to get into spoilers because there's so much to talk about, man. Like, I, I'm having a hard time keeping my mouth shut. Do do we want to just go ahead and touch on the other thing that we were going to touch about and then end the show with with the spoiler discussion to give people a little bit of oh, time? Oh, yeah. That actually sounds even, even better. Man, look at you again. Calling audibles on the show like a pro. He's a two-week host and he's got it. Not that you're not uh you're you're not like new to hosting, but like on the show official official. It's 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 good to see you calling audibles like this. So they did something crazy, Tyler, and my brain exploded, and then my heart hurt, and then my brain exploded again, and then I had to do something insane, which I sent you, and we'll talk about that too a little bit. Um so like on I don't know, it was like Monday, I think right after JIC dropped last week, 250, Mm -hmm. I saw online as I'm scrolling that there was a huge spoiler and that someone had got the most recent issue of The Walking Dead, 193, which was a 72-page issue. And apparently they read the final page of the book and then they read the letter hacks, which revealed that it was the final issue of The Walking Dead and, and Robert Kirkman... Uh, gracefully bowed out of the series. Um, this came as a humongous shock to me because I felt like they had so much story to tell. My brain was turning with where they were going to hopefully go next and who we were going to encounter. I mean, they even made fake solicitations for upcoming books that now will never happen. 194, 195, and 196 fake covers. They'll never exist. But um, it was crazy because it was sold out everywhere immediately. Like You couldn't even get it. And I called my local comic shop, and I was like, hey, Jim, uh, I need you to do me a massive, huge favor. Please tell me you have at least one copy of The Walking Dead left, and give me 30 minutes to get there. He said, done and done. And I fucking hauled balls to the comic store. And, And I got there, and I look on the shelves, and it's not on the shelves. And I was like, okay, so if he didn't hold one back for me, I'm not getting one. Like, I'm just accepting fate right now, and I'm like, or I'm going to have to buy it after market, which is probably going to be like 10 or 15 bucks, which for a $4 book right out the gate is a little bit expensive, but worth it. 
So I went in there and uh, I told the guy behind the counter, I was like, Jim said he would have a, 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 a Walking Dead for me. And the guy said, what's your name? And I said, Nate Phillips. And he said, okay. And he handed me my copy. And I was like, oh, my God, I actually have one. Holy shit. Like, this is crazy. It was fucking heavy, too. It was like a small graphic novel. You know, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, 72 pages. So, honestly. Um, I got home, and I did something I never do. And I'm going to peel and reveal something that I don't really talk about. But the Walking Dead series is done. I've literally given them so much money and time and effort in my life that I can pull this back and reveal this. I've never read from my actual comics. I always go and download a digital copy because I don't want to fuck with the creasing of the books or anything of that nature. But I thought, this is the last book. And if I'm going to read one, this should be the one. If not if not issue number one... It should be the end of the series. Absolutely. And I've never had my hands on an actual number one or an actual number two. I've had second, third, fourth printings of variants and all that kind of shit. But those are the two that have eluded me. So I sat down after we got back from the comic shop and I just got lost in this story. And it fucking broke me, dude. Like as a guy who is getting older for the perspective that they took this character, the... um. You know, having a small child in my life has mentally changed me. We've talked about this on the show previously about how you you do things differently when that's at stake and whatnot. So when I say they ended the Walking Dead series beautifully, I literally mean it was so not what I was expecting. I just dude, I start I I wept in my living room. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I've never had a story touch me like this. But um, if you want, if you don't mind, I can peel back and kind of talk about the issue a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's totally okay. Okay, I didn't know if you intended on reading them right away or if spoilers matter that much. I know you were really far out and you kind of keep up loosely with the books. So as we've been moving through these most recent books, we've been dealing with the Commonwealth. Rick trying to unite these people, the Commonwealth and Alexandria. Rick prevents this civil war from happening by killing Dwight. Uh, all hell is kind of breaking loose. Uh, Governor Milton thinks that Rick is rebelling against them. So, you know, there's almost civil war on that front. Rick stops that. And then because Rick becomes the leader, as he always is, uh, he's killed by Governor Milton's son, who shoots him like nine times in his room, just kills him dead. And Carl finds Mm -hmm. zombie Rick, you know. This is in 92. So Carl finds zombie Rick, you know, and then it's like the having to put zombie Rick down and all the people that were touched by Rick and they're not going to let Carl walk Rick back to Alexandria to be buried with Andrea alone. They're all going to accompany with him from the Commonwealth back. And that's where you leave 192, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what they're going to do. I'm not really sure how you do the final issue if that's where you're at, because there's so much story to still tell, I feel. Get 193, and there's like a 20-year time jump. And Carl's like in his late 30s, you know, and he kind of looks haggard like Rick. And now the safe zone is actually a safe zone where hundreds of miles, hundreds of Thousands of miles of land is free from walkers, okay? And they have checkpoints and safeguards and everything. So Carl's on his farmhouse. He's chilling. 
all of a sudden this fucking walker is on his land and he's like, wait, what? No. Whoosh. Takes this motherfucker out, right? All of a sudden, Herschel Green, which is Maggie and Glenn's son, shows up. He's an adult now, obviously. And he freaks out on Carl. You fucking killed him. You killed one of my pets, man. And Carl's like, what? And he's like, I take these around as an attraction. This is my property. You damaged my property. Like, I'm going to take you to court. So Carl's like, what the fuck is going on? What? Like, where I'm from, we kill walkers. Like, we don't play like that. You know, I have a daughter, Andrea, who he named after Andrea, beautifully. Um, And my dad wouldn't have stood for this. Like, we can't do this. So they have a small meeting, and now the governor or the president of the entire safe zone is Maggie. And she shows up to the court and kind of tells Herschel to shut up and tells Carl that he is not going to be charged with anything as long as he replaces Herschel's walker. Okay, so as long as Herschel's walker is replaced by Carl, everything's cool. Carl's like, okay, I'll replace the walker. No big deal, man. That same exact night, he goes back to where all these other walkers are being held, uh, held like a circus attraction. Fucking kills them all. Wipes them all out. So then... Carl, like, leaves for a while, and when he comes back to the safe zone, um, he pretty much gets told, you're going to go to the highest court in the land, and you might be on trial and be put in prison for killing this, all like, destroying all this dude's property after we asked you to replace the property that you previously damaged, you know? So the, the judge is now older lady Michonne, who was going towards a judge at the point in the story we left her. She was a lawyer, so it was kind of, you know, gearing up to that. And she tells Carl, no, Rick wouldn't have, Rick wouldn't have stood for this, so nothing's going to happen to you. Like, your dad would have done the exact same thing, and we're going to honor his name here today, you know. And you're like, oh, wow, like, Carl escaped this bullshit. That's cool. And he goes back home. And this is what broke me, dude. And as a father, you're going to totally understand. He goes back home, and his daughter's there and gives him a hug. And and he's, and he's like, come on, darling, we're going to go to bed. And he takes her up, and he reads her this story of the trials, which is the story of the walking dead and what Rick did. And mm-hmm. at the end, he goes, and baby, that was your grandpa. And then literally, he's just like rocking her, and it says the end. And it's fucking beautiful, dude. It's just like, whoa. Not expecting it to just end so peacefully. You know, there was no... The last few remaining walkers on the land got what they needed to get. They did leave some big questions unanswered. They went to visit Negan in the story, and he does not make an appearance. He is not revealed. But in the after uh, in the letter hacks where Kirkman wrote his like goodbye letter, uh, he hashtagged Negan lives. And I think... If it's me, and I'm putting my money on it right here, folks, listen, Kirkman has spent so much time with The Walking Dead. He literally, from issue 168 till this, till the end of the series, has not utilized Negan whatsoever. It is his favorite character. He's openly said that blatantly, that he is biased more than anybody to Negan. It's his favorite character he's ever created. So if you don't utilize your favorite character in almost two and a half years at this point, and then you end the series abruptly, and there's all this time, and there's all these questions. What if we're going to get a whole new Walking Dead book that only focuses on Negan that is no longer called The Walking Dead? Or if it is, it's The Walking Dead 
Negan's journey or some you know some shit like that. So it's it's a new dynamic, as it were. That's what I want to see have happen, anyways. Sorry, I caught you in a. I mean, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> um, it's okay. I I definitely I definitely look forward to when I can kind of do the 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 series in its entirety. You know, like like you said when when you started, I've loosely kept up. Unfortunately, I think part of the reason why I haven't stayed issue for issue with, um, with with the the, the book series is because. You know, I devoted so much time to the show in the beginning. Oh, and then they fucking hoed you. Well, <laughs> see, I'm not caught up on that either, so I I can't really say that that they that they bamboozled me. You know, but um, I have a problem being very involved in something, and then as it continues, it's not even that I lose interest. It's just that I don't. I just like I just stop doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. It, it's uh, it's like you. Um, I do that with video games sometimes, man. I'll play a video game so much, and even though I'm like close to the end, I'm just like I'm done playing it, and I don't touch it for like two or three years. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't want to play the game or finish the game. It's just like I've had my fill for now. You know, right? And th- and that's kind of where I was at with The Walking Dead um, for a long time. I, I I totally I I think in good conscience you can't especially with everything that Kirkman has done and said with Negan. There are enough fans that are, that are there are fans like us that are going to say you know what you ended that series beautifully, you know we appreciate everything that you've given us. I'm okay with it being done, and then there's going to be those of us on the flip side saying. Well, I quit caring about everybody else the moment that you introduce Negan, because Negan Negan is the Walking Dead now at this point, you know. So I I, I totally totally feel that that there's going to be Negan spinoffs in more than one medium. Yes, you know? absolutely. Say say one day, uh, you know. Someone, let's say Sony approaches Robert Kirkman and says, Hey, look, you know, we've got permission from AMC. You know, you're you're the guy that we need to talk to. We want to do a Walking Dead movie. And it's it's going to be about Negan. And, you know, Kirkman, of course, is gonna be like, Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a story that I always love to tell. So I, I, I look forward to anything Walking Dead going forward. I look forward to getting caught back up on the series. Now, um, honestly, if I were you, I would devote no time to the show because of how. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how awful the show went off the rails. Like especially knowing how the series, the book series, ended. Like right. the show has been forever fucking ruined. It's dumb and now kind of pointless. It's like. You can't even you can't even remotely tell that great of a story now because I don't know how far uh, do you know how much do you know about The Walking Dead because I'm like only this last season behind so I've seen pretty much all of the shit. I quit watching uh, season four, season five. Ooh, season five is a slow ass season. Terminus. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yep. 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 That's when I quit watching. That is a fucking hard to swallow turd of a season. Like, mm-hmm. ugh. Not a fan of that. But no, man. All in all, I'm grateful that I got to experience the journey of The Walking Dead. Like, um, it's really kind of crazy, too, because that's been chronicled a little bit here on the podcast. Like, I was collecting them a little bit before I started this show, but then it was definitely something that I was doing during the show. And, and, and in previous episodes, I've talked about different books that I've picked up along the way. But um, I had to know. So I did something. I didn't know how much room I needed, which that was a, that was a learning curve that cost me a lot of time. Um, and I really, I should have just fucking went for my guts and did what I initially thought I was going to do. But um, I decided that I wanted to take and make a picture of all of my Walking Dead comics in one picture. And I have 191 of 193 of the issues. I'm only, as I said, missing issues one and two. So... I took them all into the studio, and I began this process at like 3.30 in the afternoon. And at almost 6, at almost 6, I finally completed my task. Because I would get like, I started doing it, and I got to like issue 94, which is the larger world storyline. It's right before they meet Negan and company, and I'm like, I'm not even, I didn't even, I'm not even going to get to 130 at this point in this room. I have no, what am I doing? I need to do this better, and I like rework the whole floor, and I had it, and I was like, okay, cool, this is going to be great, and then I did it again, and I got to like 150, and I was like, fuck, I'm still 40 short, what am I going to do, so I had to rework the whole floor again, I was playing with a lot of money, essentially, like a dumbass, for no reason other than to get an awesome picture of all those comics in one spot, man. Right. Because especially now that the series has ended, some of those books have skyrocketed. I mean, I didn't know this, but like I saw issue three and what its price when I bought it was versus where it's at now and it's like quadrupled. And I'm like, holy fuck. You know, terrifies me of when, if and when they'll ever be able to be a day for me to collect issues one and two because they're going to be so ungodly expensive, you know. But I sent you mm-hmm. those pictures. I don't know if I sent you the second picture, but I, I took one picture of all the books, just the the regular base cover A's for the entire series except for one and two. Uh, and then I also took a picture of all the variants that I have. And I don't have every variant, but I have eh, like 45 different variants and some of them make like pictures and shit, so... That was a fun little project, man, and it was really cool to, like, have all the books there in one moment and just, like, relive the series, dude. It was crazy just sitting them down, and I'm like, oh, issue three, man. Rick finds Carl and Lori. It's all, it's ever, like, it was like a warm, fuzzy blanket. Like, I had, the series hadn't even ended. It just started all over for me again, you know? And I'm like, then I get to, like, issue 27, I'm like, oh, fucking governor, you dumb cocksucker. Like, here we go. It's about to get fucked up. Rick's gonna lose his hand soon. Yay! Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the, you know, and that and that that was me reliving the series. So it was a lot of fun, man. It was cool to do. I really want to try to do the picture again, but like get it with perfect columns and perfect rows, and make it so where you can really see it in the picture. I would need to clear the studio like completely out in order to do that, though, because it took up so much space. Um, yeah, man, so R.I.P. The Walking Dead, it's over. It's done. 193 issues in the bag. So I, when you when you messaged me the other day, the first thing I said was, why wouldn't you just run it until 200? Okay, so... I mean, how do you... Like, let, let's get your perspective on that. 
Well, it's not even that you're going to get my perspective because I'm going to give you Kirkman's actual, like his his actual words in the letter hacks at the end of the thing. He talks about it and he says, you know, uh, not to be insincere to the series, he knew that once he got to issue 142, he was like, oh fuck, I've only got like 50 issues of this left. What do I do? And he, he considered, like, oh, do I just keep spinning my tires and doing stuff? And his biggest thing was, like, the most impactful stuff, the things that change your life, the things that you remember forever, are usually a surprise. They're not expected. They're something good on a surprise level that's astronomical, or it's maybe something bad that's on a surprise level of astronomical, but... Uh, he wanted people to not know that it was coming to an end until they read that last page and were like, oh, my God, it that's it. You know, and to just live in that moment of, like, he didn't make a fuss about it. They didn't hype it. They didn't go and have, you know, a whole entire six-month campaign of, like, the final walking dead, you know? Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't this big fucking bullshit buildup. It was honest. It was his heart. It was him saying... If I go any further, you guys are going to start getting bored because I am getting ready to get bored. And this is the time. I have to do it now or it's never. You know? And and I and I praise him for it, man. 163 or 100, 193 issues of a series is really hard to pull off. And to not have it be convoluted at any point, like very cohesive story when you read the books. Um, kudos. Full-blown kudos to the Walking Dead team as we... Send it on its funeral pyre down the river. What's next for Robert Kirkman? You know, I think Kirkman, he's started a lot of different books. Um, He's got like five new books out right now, none of which off the top of my head I can remember for some reason. I don't know what my problem is right now. I literally just was thinking about ordering like three of these different books. Let me pull it up here real quick while we're, while we're doing the thing here. But, uh... No, man, Kirkman is a class act, and I think he just did it from the heart, you know, and I think he also knew, like, there's so much other Walking Dead happening right now. Like, there's the TV shows. There's four shows now in development and or happening. The Fear of the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, and there are two new ones happening. So it is a little oversaturated, but if you're, again, if you listen, very much like, in my opinion, the MCU if those stories can all be their own thing and not be convoluted and, and, and be essentially rehashes of the same shit over and over and over and over and they stay interesting, keep doing it. I'm cool. It's not ever going to be oversaturated if you're doing it from the heart. If this is all just a cash grab and that's what they're going for, it's going to crash and fucking burn real fast. So mm-hmm. that's just my uh, hot take on it, you know. But Kirkman is most recently writing... There we go. I had I went to I wanted to go to his actual page because it's got uh, he's most recently doing this thing called uh, Oblivion Song. Is this new series? It's only like sixteen issues in. Uh, Outcast, which is a series that I think went to Showtime or Cinemax as like a as a new. I don't know if it ever actually happened though. I don't know if they actually ever aired that. But Outcast is a series that Kirkman's been doing. I started reading that at the very beginning. It's about like a crazy bipolar dude that's, you know, he can talk to uh, dead people and shit. It's it's really fucking interesting. Uh, 
but he also has uh like what was that book called? Invincible. Yeah. That's another one that's really great. You might be hearing fireworks, my dude. It's still the 4th of July weekend. Oh, I'm surprised. I thought I just heard a boomer. Glad that I didn't. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what's next for Kirkman. Image, they're starting to like get into a rhythm of they have really good shit and then they end it. So like Chew is one of my favorite series of all time and Chew only went 60 issues. And they said from the jump, it's only going to be 60 issues. It's only going to be 60 issues. It's going to be only 60 issues. And at issue 60, I was like, no, you're lying. There's more coming. I know it. And then there's not. It's it. That was it. You know, and it's like, fuck. So with The Walking Dead, it's done. It's like, image, stop ending your good shit. Dumbasses. Uh, I, I, go- like that, I like that Kirkman um, kind of defied just modern media in general i mean you th- you think about movies movie series tv comics it feels like a lot of shit here you know just just in this this day and age just don't ever stop no they don't and when they do stop you know it's like well you guys quit buying our shit so we're gonna end it now or you know, unfortunately, an actor passes away, or a writer passes away, or a director gets removed from the project, and it's like you 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 put it perfectly earlier. He finished it on he ended it on his terms, so you can't. I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. I'm trying to find Kirkman's actual statement because his statement is. Oh, as there's a little pointless music playing here. Man, I cannot find the actual... Because his, like, love letter goodbye... Okay, here's part of it. He says, I'll say it again. I love, loved... Oh, God, I'm not ready for past tense. Writing this series. I really don't want it to end. In fact, I've been kind of unsettled since I wrote the script for this issue. The whole thing just feels... Weird. In a way, killing this series has been a lot like killing a major character. Much, much harder, but the same feeling. I don't want to do it. I'd rather keep going, but the story is telling me what it wants and what it needs, and this needs to happen, whether I want it to or not. Damn. I mean, like like I said a second ago, what more can you ask for? Nothing. I mean, you go out, and, and like I said, you write pretty much the perfect story in comic books it will go down in history people will write like dissertations someday on this series and like Mm -hmm. what it really meant and what it was saying about society as it evolved and changed over 16 years and uh we know where we start is obviously not where we finished and you know there was one moment that i when i had all the when i had all the covers laid out there's one thing i noticed that was really interesting a lot of covers feature Carl by himself. And as much as the series leads you to believe that Carl is going to end up alone, that is not his fate. And I think it's just mm-hmm. like, a, it's a, it's just like a, like, especially with issue three has got Rick, Carl and Lori on the cover together. And Carl's little, little Carl. And then issue one ninety two is Carl by himself. And it's like dark and 
It feels very foreboding. And then 193, there's no one on the cover. It's just a farmhouse, man. It's just a farmhouse. But uh, all in all, I'm going to give the Walking Dead series as a whole a 9.7. There were some slowdown moments. There are some things I wish they would have maybe done slightly differently. But you can't bitch too much for what they delivered. Um, But yeah, that's all I've got for that, man. Do you want to get into the next bit? Absolutely. For those of you listening who didn't hear us say earlier, it is now spoiler, massive spoiler territory for Spider-Man Far From Home. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I had to do it one more time. Okay. If you I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more in there. If you get upset because you get spoiled or yeah, if you do get spoiled, I, mean, I like that verb. If you get spoiled for anything that we talk about in the next, you know, maybe seven hours because we both love Spider-Man, this is on you. We warned you. We really did. It's it's about to get real nerdy up in this motherfucker because there is mm-hmm. so many things I want to talk to you about. Okay. I don't even know where you want to start, man. I, like, overall, the plot is brilliant. You've got Parker essentially trying to get away. Like we said, there was no fight sequence with him in the Iron Spider suit. They didn't use that. Um, He does the thing with Aunt May. There's the interesting flirting with May and Happy, which I love Happy in this movie. He's quickly becoming one of the best MCU characters, in my opinion. Well, and I I messaged you um, after after the show Friday night. I think that Happy isn't going to end up now that Tony is gone and um, Pepper and Gwyneth Paltrow are, are kind of out of the series. You know, I think that Happy is going to become one of the most important characters in the MCU. Yes, absolutely. The glue that kind of binds everybody together, the epicenter that is Tony's spirit and his essence. Uh, Well, and and I think that any time anything Stark-related is brought up or utilized or what have you, I think that Happy is going to be what we see for that interaction, you know? Yes, absolutely, yes, absolutely. we're, We're getting you some new Stark tech, you know? You're sitting in Avengers HQ... You're going to be getting some new Stark tech, and then there's there's a, a somber moment where everyone reflects on Tony, and then Happy walks in with a briefcase and trips. Here you guys go. Here, here, yes, and trips, or or he's eating like a like a breakfast burrito, you know. But some of like the sour cream squeezed out onto his hand and is dripping mm-hmm. down onto the briefcase, and he's like, "What? Oh, oh! Does anybody have a napkin? Yeah, that'd be absolutely yes. hilarious." Uh, so yeah, I I think I think Favreau is going to be super important going forward, and I think that's I, plot aside. I think that's why he is focused on so much in this film. Absolutely. Uh, so the big thing in this movie, Spider-Man: Far From Home, Parker and some of his classmates going to go travel overseas for this like class trip. He wants to enact his plan. He's going to woo Mary Jane. And he's got a good plan. He's going to go buy her this black Dahlia necklace, glass blown. He's going to wait till they go to the Eiffel Tower in Paris because it's her favorite place. And then he's going to give it to her and tell her how he feels. And Ned's like, or step seven, 
Do none of that. We're American single bachelors going bachelors to Europe. Bachelors in Europe, baby. And it's so funny because he's telling Tom Holland, who's actually from London, he's actually a Brit, that Londoners love Americans <laughs> and that they'll get anything they want, essentially, for being American. And Tom Holland's just like, you can tell like he's acting, but like it's really funny breaking the fourth wall, thinking about him going... No, come on now. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're they're going to enact this plan. We do find out through a series of video that turns into the live feed of the class uh, um, news station or whatever. They do an in memoriam of the people that have died. They include Vision. They assume Captain America is dead. They do, So no, they don't know that he got old. They just assume that... At the Battle of Avengers Tower, he or at Avengers uh, HQ that he passed away, uh, Black Widow, and then Vision, and um, there's a real subtle line in there that Betty says about time to move on to the next phase in our lives, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're talking about Phase Four, the future, what we're getting ready to step into. That's exciting. Um, another thing to note from that little early section is they also talk about how the blip worked and that some people were aged five years while others stayed the same age. So like their classmate, Brad, (laughs) he's all grown up now and it's super weird. And it's kind of like one of the running themes of the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, they go to where did they go to first? London, Venice. They, they go to Venice first. That's right. They start in Venice, and they deal with Hydro Man. At least they think. Well, we got the uh, Flash Thompson is like after Hydro Man shows up. There, he's reading about Hydro Man on his phone. That was an Easter egg that I really, really loved. And saying Morris Bench, who uh, debuted as uh, Hydro Man in Amazing Spider-Man 212. Uh, So that happens, and they name Mysterio, kind of, and how that name comes about is interesting. Uh, One thing I'll tell you that I don't know, there's no way you would have noticed it on first watch. I happen to have had a second partial watch, and... uh, just to kind of see a few things. And uh, in my second watch, I noticed that Jake Gyllenhaal and some of the people involved in his plot line are actually visibly seen in Venice near Parker and company okay. lurking around. Like Gyllenhaal's on set. You can see him clear as day walking around. So uh, it's it's all in there. They're all plotting and planning, you know. And um, Hydro Man shows up. Spidey, who didn't want to be Spidey, you know, tries to save the day. Mysterio shows up. He's like, oh, you did a really good job, kid, or whatever. And they had this, like, kind of bonding moment. And then, because he'd been ghosting Fury, Nick Fury shows up, takes out Ned, at least makes him sleep for a bit, and uh, then tells Spider-Man, like, listen, it's good to finally meet you. You're a hard person to reach, but uh, we've got this problem you're going to come with me. We're going to talk about it. He meets Mysterio. And uh, what did you think about like the, the story that Mysterio gives Spidey? Does it seem like horseshit as you're watching it? Because even 
I, I guess to me, I was like, oh, that makes sense. When, when, so other than you, the, the first person that I had talked to about the movie was Blaine. When Blaine and I were talking about it um, a few days ago, the first thing that I said was, wow, Jake Gyllenhaal was fucking fantastic. Secondly, wow, he fucking got me. I was 100,000% convinced that um, once we were introduced to Mysterio, that they had actually somehow figured out a way, at least for this movie, to for do a Mysterio different take. to be... What's that? To give him a different take. Mm-hmm. For him to be a hero character for this movie, and then maybe at the end of this film is where the division between um, Spidey and Mysterio begins, kind of, you know, uh, Eddie Brock-esque. Yeah. Where where somehow Parker pisses him off, and then, okay, now I'm going to get you. I was totally fooled, 100%. Yeah, man, and they do a really good job, so they explain, you know, he's from another Earth, we're on Earth 616, which is complete horseshit, because there is, actually, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Earth 19999, yes, I'm a nerd that knows that, I'm so sorry, uh, so Earth 616 is the comic universe, so as a comic book fan, as soon as he called that out, I was like, no, he's bluffing, 616 is the comics, and I know that for a fact, you fuck, so... Um, I was like, okay, what are we getting at here, you know? And it seems like he's very honest, and he says, you know, there's the lava monster or whatever, Molten Man, as it were, that's going to show up at this carnival, and Parker's like, I'm going to get my friends away, and it's like every idea Parker has to help his class, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. accommodates, and then they still manage to fuck up completely. So they get these free opera tickets, and... Uh, MJ sees Parker dip out, so she dips. Betty thinks they're dipping because that's what she thinks they're doing. Like, oh, it's boring. Let's go to the fair. So she leaves. So then other people are leaving, like Brad, fucking Brad. He's, like, got this subplot thing going on. Fuck Brad. Uh, fucking Brad, man. The molten dude shows up. They barely defeat him. It's this big hoorah moment, and... Um, Mysterio is, you know, alive and okay. It seems like he's almost not or whatever. And then Parker starts reflecting because one thing I did mention, I forget to mention is that, uh, Nick gives him something as a gift. That's kind of a passing of the torch, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was, what was that gift? Uh, Tony's glasses with Edith. Yep. Which stand for, do you remember? Um, I got it if you don't. Don't worry. I can't remember. Even dead, I'm the hero. Yep, that. <laughs> Fucking Tony Stark, you motherfucker, you know? Um, So it's these glasses. They allow Parker to... It, they're like, essentially, his spider suit glasses, but it, uh, allowing way more range and to use all of Tony's tech not just mm -hmm. the spider tech, which means he could have launched uh, pods uh, A-17 to give himself the iron spider suit from, well, I guess he couldn't. Avengers HQ is destroyed. What are they going to do about that? That's a whole other question I'm going to have to, we're going to have to discuss. But, like, uh, so he gets Edith, but then, like, 
after the second monster, he he and Mysterio are celebrating, and he's like, Tony told me to give these to the next Iron Man, essentially, and that's you, Mysterio. And he just fucking hook, line, and sinker falls for it, gives him Edith, and that is the moment the movie just shifts into high gear. It's like Homecoming. Homecoming, I think, maybe for you, part of the reason Homecoming was a little lull is because the reveal with Vulture and the the actual Homecoming dance doesn't happen till so late in the movie that the tension doesn't get enough time to build to be super epic when Vulture and Spidey are battling. But in this movie, with it being almost the halfway point where it's revealed that Mysterio is actually a schmuck and has a team of people that include the dude from fucking Christmas Story. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Peter Billingsley is uh, actually the scientist that Obadiah Stane screams at in the first Iron Man, who makes his return appearance in this movie as one of the people helping Quentin Beck pull off the Mysterio um, gimmick, as it were, mm-hmm. using drones to uh, drones and the barf technology, which was apparently Mysterio Quentin Beck's idea. I really. I really, really enjoyed all the way that whole bar scene was fantastic. So when they went person to person to person and told their basically their entire story on why, you know, they had this vendetta against Tony Stark, it was flawless. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Especially considering when you leave Endgame, there are so many people that are mourning Tony. Like it's such an emotional scene, an emotional moment in the in the history of the MCU. So then to know that there are definitely still enemies and that Tony always made enemies, you know, like ultimately speaking, it just reiterates like how impactful he was on the universe. So the really cool thing about Mysterio in the comics is that he is an illusionist. He mm-hmm. uses practical effects from Hollywood to make people believe that Spidey is a bad guy. He actually says that he's going to prove Spider-Man is evil because he has a look-alike that can crawl on walls, which is not real. It's suction cups. Um and they're going to show that Spider-Man's this bad guy. It's ultimately revealed that Mysterio is the bad guy who's been doing this all along. It's very similar to this movie's plot in a lot of ways. But um, after Mysterio gets Edith, Parker starts to realize what's going on with a very important scene between him and MJ on the bridge. What did you think of that scene? I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan <coughs> of the MCU's version of Mary Jane. Because it's so different. <laughs> totally not the next it's, door neighbor. You know, I get it. Well, it's just her her hyper awkward kind of demeanor is just. I mean, it's it's like I'm a teenager all over again. You know, so so the message that they're trying to convey, it, it it's totally working. It's just not not the route that I would go for Mary Jane. Yeah. Not, not 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 that the actor actress isn't doing a fantastic job because she is. Fucking loves Zendaya. Um, but that whole that whole scene where you know Peter Peter finally gets the sack to tell her how he feels and give her, you know, the the black dahlia necklace that he bought her in in Venice and she just blurts out you're Spider-Man. And just uh 
no, I'm not. You know, just that that whole scene was fun, and um, she you know, pulls she's out got, the piece of the drone, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the one thing I loved about that scene that really it fucking killed me is as soon as the drone plays that thing and Parker kind of realizes what's going on, his brain switches and he goes, okay, I am Spider-Man. Like I am like, like, yes, you were right. Like, okay, now we have to think differently, like totally shift gears here. You know, that, and that got me. Cause it was like, that's such a, that's such a fucking comic book, Peter Parker move, you know, deny, 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 Except that it's the truth, you know, like reveal the truth. Uh, right. But then this he, sets in. Just... Go ahead. The the theme of this the theme of this movie is embrace the Peter Tingle. So Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, in that moment he had some Peter Tingle going on. Is that the episode title? Embracing our Peter Tingle. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's great. Uh. This this moment on the bridge sets the third act in motion very swiftly. Uh, you know, essentially, London is the next target. Mysterio has this grand plan. He really is trying to get famous for being a superhero and not actually do anything as a superhero because he doesn't have any superpowers. This is all just programming. And I love that they actually had him in a CGI suit in the movie, like, filming as a you know, and then like rendering his character and having the ideas and going through how the damage would look and like all the details of breaking down, creating a level, if you will. Uh, when Spidey and Mysterio actually go head to head the first time, there is a humongous, earth-shattering Easter egg in here. Do you know what I am speaking of? Lay it on us. So. Obviously, Mysterio's power is illusion, so he's using the program and the drones to make Parker believe he's seeing things he's not seeing, sending him into dungeons, doing all these things, having glass like shattering over him and, and being these huge shards of mirror that reflect him a thousand times and having Parker get jumped by a million Spider-Mans and everything. One scene, though, you see Tony Stark's grave, mm-hmm. Anthony Edward Stark, and then... The first tease that it will actually happen at some point in the MCU, we will get Marvel zombies because they give us Tony Stark as a Marvel zombie. Mm -hmm. In this movie, you see it. It is rendered as an idea in their head. I guarantee you at some point, if we're driving eventually to Secret Wars, we will get a Marvel zombies movie. Guaranteed. I totally agree. I, and I want to see it. So here's another crazy thing. When that moment is happening, did you notice that there's a specific kind of spider crawling on the zombie Tony Stark? Uh, I can't remember. It's a Black Widow. Yeah, that's what I thought. So it's, again, just all these little tiny motherfucking Easter eggs. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm trying to think. Okay, so... When we get to, after that first battle, Parker's like, he can't beat him. Then they are kind of piecing together how they're going to do it. Uh, MJ's now in on it. Ned knows that MJ knows. That's interesting. Ned and Betty's romance. That's something super funny because Ned says to throw everything out the window and then ends up, 
he's the not single guy on the whole trip mm-hmm. and he's in love like day one essentially uh, right. I loved that like final destination plane scene where they're rearranging where everybody's gonna sit you know and he ends up next to the teachers by the way shout out to JB Smoove for being one of the funniest new members of this cast I uh, can't remember what witchcraft. his witchcraft yeah witchcraft this is a witchcraft you watch it. it's witchcraft like that shit got me, man. He's funny as shit. Uh, <clears throat> there, there's a lot of other sub threads. There's like a really sad sub thread with uh, Flash Thompson. Did do you know about that? Mm-hmm. Like with his at the end when his when his mom doesn't show up to pick him up. Yeah, and like he never get no one like talks about him being checked in on during all this craziness happening on their trip where. Everywhere they go, there's bullshit drama, and they're, like, being geared to go that way. Like, oh, we're absolutely taking you to Prague next. What? Why would we go to Prague? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm definitely certain you have to be hearing those. Wow, that's impressive. Those are really loud fireworks. I'm I'm, I'm certain my microphone's picking up because I'm hearing it in my ears. So... Mm-hmm. Instead of a train of our existence today, we got uh, fireworks of our boominess. I don't know. That was dumb. <laughs> here comes the boom. Here here it comes, ready or not. Uh, take us through the final act in your eyes. Like, walk us through uh, how it went in your in your head. Like, like, you know. So, we had an incredible... We, we get basically an incredible montage where... Um, you know, Peter is defeated by Mysterio and ends up in the Netherlands in prison. You know, <laughs> that that whole sequence, he, he breaks out of prison and then the, the prisoners that he shared the cell with close the door and sit back down. Um, th- he has no idea where he's at and he has the guy explain to Happy where he's at and he still doesn't understand what the hell's going on, you know. <laughs> How did I get in the Netherlands? Well, you rode a train the whole way there, pal. Um, but but Happy comes and rescues him. He starts building a new suit, which I loved watching. Watching him kind of transition from being Spider-Man back into Peter Parker, and I got to build this new suit. I'm going to tweak this, and I'm going to tweak that. And, and also, you know, he's, he takes on a little bit of Tony in that. Mm-hmm. So especially, you know, when he does the the virtual reality gauntlet, and he's. You know, he's tweaking stuff. A beautifully shot scene and, and, and very well written. Um, they fly to London and Happy's supposed to save his classmates and Peter's going to take down Mysterio. And the the choreography of just him... I mean, the, the, like, the, the end Mysterio fight scene was incredible. But just... Him taking down the army of drones by himself was fantastic. So, so Spidey basically Iron Man style flies into this illusion that is just thousands of drones circling around each other, creating this image that that everyone around the world is seeing, and he just starts um, basically creating creating an EMP network from drone to drone to drone, and then he takes down the simulation. Mysterio gets 
absolutely irate. <laughs> yeah. That, like, if if any if at any point during the film you weren't sold on Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, that moment when he kind of loses his cool, that sold it for me. Oh, absolutely, because his, his psychometer just spiked. Mm-hmm. He was not thrilled with Parker, and he wanted Peter and everyone he loved fucking dead. All right, I'm going to kill him. You like, know? it's I guess that's what we have to do. It sucks that I'm going to have to kill Peter Parker, but I'm going to have to do it, you know? Uh, one thing I want to go back to, you were talking about the moment when he's building the gauntlet and doing all that. And I guess, I can't even believe I have to say this, but kudos to Marvel Studios for somehow making me cry with ACDC. I I don't know what kind of sorcery that is, but playing the first song you hear, the first moment you see Tony Stark in the MCU, when his heir to the throne is doing this really Tony thing, Mm-hmm. In a in a Stark Technologies jet, you know, like, man, it, I'm like, I, like, I didn't weep, but I welled up. I was like, man, those motherfuckers, happy saying, like, let me pick the tunes, I think is what got me, though, you know, because it's like, happy's thinking about Tony in that moment, and he sees Peter as Tony in that moment, too, you know, and that's the mm-hmm. very pointed scene where they're talking, and he says... I don't think Tony would have done what he did if uh, he didn't know you were going to be here when he was gone. And that's very true. He knows that the world is in good hands and that Parker can handle it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because Tony handled it. I lost you there for a second. Oh, no worries. You're back now. Okie dokie. So, um, he... Uh, Spidey fights the drones with no hologram. And like you were saying, that's a fucking incredible scene. And and towards the tail end of that, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. Yes, very much so. He's not winning all of that fight. And one thing I want to mention, I loved the costume design ability to get his suit to look super melted from the mm-hmm. heat he endured while he was dealing with that and all the different fire and stuff they were putting on him. Like, right. it's like, oh, you actually thought about what would happen if he was melted. And it's just not like, oh, my suit's cool, but there are a few cuts. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, of all the times that I've bitched about uh, CGI and cinematography in the MCU, I cannot, <laughs> in good conscience, cannot complain about any of this film <laughs> because it was all flawless. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's drones flying around and chasing him as, as he's jumping and swinging around. Just lighten him up with flamethrowers. Yeah. Like, okay, you you don't have an iron suit. You have fucking spandex there, there Spidey. Or maybe Kevlar, you know, a blend. It's a Lycra polyester Kevlar blend. Um, <laughs> but it, it's going to be it's going to be fucking melting your suit, you know. So, yeah, I really dug that for sure. Oh, man. Uh, obviously, he figures on a way to defeat Mysterio, which he I... He uses the Peter Tingle. He used the Peter Tingle, man, and got through the illusion, and 
and defeats Beck. You think he's got him. He's like mourning that Beck's dying or whatever. Beck is actually not there at all. That's also an illusion because of fucking mm-hmm. course it is. But the real, the what we think is the real Beck shoots at Parker, who stops the bullet and kills uh, Quentin. And dude, it seems that Mysterio has been defeated. Everything is cool. Parker and MJ are in love. They're heading back to New York. Betty and Ned didn't make... They they aren't a thing anymore. They broke up, man. Nettie is not a thing anymore. (laughs) And, uh, damn it. Uh, But then we get to finally see Parker swinging around New York as Spidey. And that's Mm -hmm. always cool because that's like, classic spider-man he's back home after being far from home you see him go by new avengers tower which is an avengers tower we don't know what tower it is yet i didn't see a name on it i looked i didn't either i tried to break it down i couldn't find anything that said anything um he then takes mj or he's taking mj around doing the swing thing and showing her the the ropes as it's as it were Showing her the webs. Yeah, ooh, showing her the webs, dropping the webs, embracing the Peter Tingle and showing the webs. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so that ends, and then it cut to the end of the movie, like to the credits or whatever. Uh, let's go ahead and break it down. I'm going to volley. Which one do you want to talk about first? The the, the, the mid-credit, obviously? Yeah, let's just do it um, in, the, in the way that we got them. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, so we get more swinging with Parker and Zendaya or MJ and they land in the streets and he jumps up to go take off. And as he jumps up, there's a news bulletin that posts on this big ass screen in Times Square or wherever the hell they are. And it's from London and it's London news reporting that Mysterio was killed and that through this Daily Bugle.net, uh, which is like Infowars, apparently, mm-hmm. um, that they have this exclusive footage from Mysterio showing his demise, and it's doctored footage showing Parker killing Mysterio, and then Mysterio saying, in the event of my death, uh, I- I'm revealing who Spider-Man is. And he says that it's Peter Parker. And Parker's eyes are like, oh, shit, what? But the best part about this after credit scene is not just that Parker was outed as Spider-Man, which happened in the Civil War storyline in the comics. Uh, but he did that by choice, by the way. That was by choice, not by force. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was accompanied by the debut of J. Jonah Jameson, who is a part of Infowars.net, who is played by none other than... The same guy who played fucking J. Jonah Jameson over 17 years ago, if you can believe yep. it. It's perfect. J.K. Simmons killing it. And you know what? Somebody said this, and I, and I thought it was actually, he takes a little bit of the J. Jonah Jameson he had before, you know, still the hate for Spider-Man, but then he, like, dialed some of that character from the movie Whiplash that he played in there as well, where he's, like, really an asshole. So it's... They're setting up for a very special third movie. I have a lot of thoughts on what I want them to do. I'm not sure what they are actually going to do. Um, but before we talk about that, 
We have to discuss the other one. Mm. I mean, Laudy. So we see we see Fury and Maria Hill just driving around, and lo and behold, it's Talos and his lady. Yep. The scroll were there the whole time. You called it. I can't believe that, too. That was crazy. Uh, but not under the circumstances that we thought. Because I thought that if the scroll were there and Talos was there, that he was angry, and I was assuming that something bad had happened to Fury. But we actually learned that's not the case. Fury's on vacation. He's in Tahiti, my brother. Fury is hanging out on a space station or a spaceship with with some barf technology yeah, yeah. pretending he's on the beach. Man, and uh, he comes out of that and he's just like walking like he hasn't walked in like three fucking weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like... He doesn't have any shoes on. He's just like, oh, and he's on this thing. But you realize he is on a very large vessel. Mm-hmm. They don't show the outside of the vessel, but from the inside, uh, he's in a large craft. Lots and lots of scrawl are there, and it seems like the plan that had started way back in Captain Marvel where they were going to reunite a lot of these scroll families that had been scattered across the galaxies, Talos had started to unite a lot of these factions. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we also learned that Talos and company only really had one job, They were just supposed to give Parker Edith, and that was it. They weren't supposed to introduce Mysterio. None of that shit was supposed to be happening. They weren't supposed to fuck with Parker, whatever. So that's why they called Fury, because things went off the rails pretty fucking quick. Uh And they're like, you got to call him. Why do I got to call him? You want to call him? She's like, no, you're calling him. Fine. You know, and he's just like, ah, damn it. Uh, Man, I... uh, this one broke my brain a little bit, actually, because then I started going, well, how are they going to do this exactly? And give me your thoughts on this. But, like, if you're going to do Secret Wars now, this is the storyline. You've got scroll that they utilized. It is definitely confirmed that Talos was in Spider-Man's universe and had Parker on his radar, which means that Ben Mendelsohn is, an in, is in fact, in Endgame. That is him in Parker's school, like we assumed, okay? Mm-hmm. But then you look at, like, well, how, how would you continue this story on? So if the Skrull are working with humans and possibly Nick Fury to build S.W.O.R.D., you know, um, don't you think there are going to be some Skrull that aren't, like, really cool with humans? Or don't really Probably. agree because of Captain Marvel, which super huge tip off that they were they were scroll the whole time. Don't invoke her name. He doesn't say she's off world. He says don't invoke her name, and only a scroll would say that, mm-hmm. not Nick. And also Maria Hill calls Fury Nick and not Fury. That's the other giveaway. Um. But yeah, I think that there's going to be a rebellion against what Talos has done here. And they're going to go, fuck it, we're just going to go to Earth and replace a bunch of people. And they have no way to know. And we're just going to secretly invade. And secret invasion is going to be like our next big step before our next major step. So if Civil War was the big step in the last chapter, 
that's what Secret Invasion will be. And then I think that the Kang the Conqueror storyline is going to be the overarching second saga of the MCU, like Thanos. I dig it. When I, I, I brought something up to you the other day that, you know, if we're going to have a scroll rebellion against Talos and shield slash sword, how, however you want to want to put it where we're at right now, Hydra's going to get involved at some point. Oh, totally. You know, whether whether it's scroll replacing Hydra people or scroll working with Hydra so they have tech and knowledge on par with what everyone who stays with sword or shield has. You know, it just makes sense. And now that Captain America is gone, it gives you it gives you a good uh plot line of Shield and Hydra are still battling out, and it's not just Hydra versus Cap anymore. Like, it's, it, I mean, it, it's aliens and and shit, so it's obviously not real life. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's two, it's two superpowers going toe to toe, and not a superpower versus a superpowered man. Yes. It starts to make the story bigger because it's like different kinds of armies are forming and building and being in the wings, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that that's like the overarching plan for the MCU, there's also some Spidey stories I think we need. And I've said this to you, and I'll say it again. I, I brought my notes up because I wanted to make sure I said the right names. We need a Sinister Six movie, Tyler. Absolutely. They're working towards it. They have their Vulture. They have their Mysterio. We need some others, possibly. Uh, If I were helming this thing and I was doing a Sinister Six, maybe down the road in a few more movies, two or three more movies, Spider-Man movies and others, uh, I, I want this to be my Sinister Six. Obviously, Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio. Michael Keaton is Vulture. Those are obvious. Uh, I said this previously on the show to you. I want Jason Momoa as Craven. I just think stature, build, look, the whole nines. He 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 would be great for that role. I think this is weird but brilliant. I doubt he would ever do a Marvel movie, but maybe who knows? Tom Hanks as Doc Ock. I think he's a mm. smart minded. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh totally. Like scientific y kind of. He would kill in that role. Uh, Jim Carrey is this universe's electro which can kind of fuse some of his other roles to be his own unique thing that's nothing like jamie fox's electro that's why i picked jim carrey specifically and i also wanted to pick another character who has been in the dc universe before that they have brought over to marvel to reinvent their role like kind of michael keaton in that regard and then to kind of play off how they took and kept uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, I want Willem Dafoe to return as Green Goblin. <sighs> I mean, if you're if you're if you're going to be bringing some cast members back and you can reinvent their people, Willem Dafoe is the fucking man to do it, man. He mm-hmm. is Green Goblin through and through, you know. I'm I'm gonna go on record and say I wouldn't even change the fucking suit. Ooh, see, I think with modern technology, if you, you know, I can't think if we have any biochemical weapons that they've told stories with in the MCU 
off the top of my head, I can't remember, but obviously Oscorp could make one and actually like mutate his face that would be really cooler to do now as a prosthetic or or you know advanced CGI or whatever because they have the technology. I mean, you think 2002 when they first did Green Goblin to do a CGI face or to to try to do a certain prosthetic would have been hard or expensive, but now I mean they can do anything. So mm-hmm. I loved don't get me wrong, I fucking love the Power Ranger Green Goblin suit. It's one of my favorite all-time iterations of a comic book character on the big screen, especially the glider and the way they did the pumpkin bombs and everything, like a 10 of 10. But maybe you give it some fresh flavor so it differentiates a little bit, you know? The the only reason that I think it'll be really tough to do, like, an actual, um, you know, like, mutated uh, Osborne is I think it'll make it look too similar to the scroll. Ooh, that's a good point, actually. Hmm. Oh, dude. What if that's... Maybe that's how they do it, though. Maybe the scroll, like, Osborne gets a scroll. He's trying to figure out how to do the shape-shifting like they do. He thinks he's got the gene, like, locked down. He's going to create this serum for himself to be able to transform so he can kind of do whatever he wants. He doesn't like always being in the spotlight as Norman Osborne, you know, and just wants a regular day or whatever. And it fucking deranges him and also turns him into looking like the green goblin. It makes gotcha. sense. Like, love it. Fuck. That's just me right now on the spot riffing. That just actually happened. Um, no, I dig it. I, I think we need it. And I, I, I think with with as good as these two Spider-Man movies have been and with as, as popular as Spider-Man has been as a supporting character in every movie that he's been in so far, everyone loves Tom Holland. Uh, a lot of love for you, Tobey Maguire, but but Tom Tom is the best best one to ever put on the blue and red. I mean, let's, let's just down. be honest. Definitely better than that guy in the seventies. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. And and that guy in the seventies was better than Andrew Garfield. So. Oh shit! Uh, Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's that unpopular opinion, man. L- little fireworks for you. But I I think. Now that Cap's gone, now that that Tony's gone, I think I think it's safe to say that we're going to get a lot more or at least a, a little closer together than farther between Spider-Man movies and I think it's totally necessary moving forward. I'm going to blow your mind right now. I've saved this. I didn't text it to you. I ain't tweeted at you. I didn't send it in the letter through the postal service. I have a theory slash idea how they can tie a movie that I didn't give very many good things into the MCU and bring forward the best evolution of a character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe history. So let me break it down for you. This this is my theory on how they will tie, not how they can tie, how they will tie venom to this series okay so what did we have at the end of this movie in the first post credits we had the reveal peter parker is spider-man so the truth to the world as a shockwave poof 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 
Everyone in every news station is going to cover that story. It's a big deal, okay? It's just like, what is it just like? Are you ready, folks? Because here's where the great, ah. It's just like in the very beginning of the MCU in the first Iron Man movie when Tony reveals that he is Iron Man. So now there's no denying who your hero is, right? And then your hero actually gets some praise. So now Parker has become Tony. Tony, again, all over again, he, he, he's he been revealed to the world. In San Francisco, there's going to be Eddie Brock hanging out, doing his thing, living his fucking life, eating a cheeseburger. The news is on. But the symbiote hears Peter Parker, Spider-Man, sees footage of Spider-Man doing all this crazy shit, and he's like, wait a minute. The the symbiote, not Eddie. It's like, Eddie's just a fucking dude. That thing is cool. That's a thing I could latch onto that I could do some real damage with. Let's go there. And he leaves Eddie. So Eddie, again, has what? A reason to hate Parker. Because he doesn't know it yet. Direct, I mean, he, 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 he kind of will figure it out quickly because you'll see Black Suit Spider-Man starting to show up. That's how they're going to deny Parker is Spidey. Also, they're going to probably use a scroll to stand in as Peter Parker at some point to help really sell the lie that he is not for the time being. Because it's too obvious to actually give the world the truth right away. You want to kind of mm-hmm. hang it on a little bit longer here. So the, the symbiote's going to find Parker He's going to latch on black suit. It's going to be wicked. You're going to have a new tone for for Tom Holland and whatnot. Eddie is going to see it on the news that black suit Spider-Man exists. And he is going to be like, fuck no. Gets his ass to New York. And he's trying to track down Parker. He ends up working for where? Dailybugle.net. He ends up doing what? Getting into an altercation with Spider-Man. Around what? A bell tower? That does what? Drop the symbiote that is now angry back onto Eddie Brock because Parker will start to reject the symbiote, realizing it's fucking with him. He'll push MJ away or whatever, and it'll be like this almost kind of similar to Spider-Man 3 in a lot of ways. He'll realize he's fucking up. The bell tower will drop it on him, and then we'll get Venom's return, Eddie Brock's return, but now he's got the spider logo. Now he's the completed version of this character. Now he is also even more psychotic and has an actual vendetta and a reason to go after Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So what do you think, Tyler? Do you think they can take this idea I have for bringing Venom into the MCU and actually run with it? I mean, in my head it sounds really good, like making... Eddie Brock have an actual hate for Peter Parker that's beyond just like, oh, because I'm Venom, I hate you, or oh, because we quote-unquote work together. The dynamic is so much cooler if they don't work together, and if mm-hmm. he actually he hates him from like afar and doesn't know him, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what I what I talked about a lot when, when Venom came out and, and Blaine and I reviewed that was that... Venom's influence was starting to alter the way that Eddie thought about things. And if you and I I love the whole theory the way that you kind of kind of rifted out and it, it was very well done. If you if you give a little bit of build up and backstory of Venom seeing Spider-Man do shit and he envies it. 
that envy is going to start to bleed over on Eddie. So yes. y- you might get a scene of <clears throat> Eddie and Venom, you know, stopping another bank robbery and biting people's heads off. And maybe Venom stops and says, I want to go. Uh, did you see the new Spider-Man video? And yeah. you know, they, they semi-separate and it's Eddie saying, we're in the middle of something. Can this wait? You know, and he's you bring almost a like bit of, daydreaming about Spider Man. Mm-hmm. You bring a little bit of comedy into it, and then slowly but surely, that envy bleeds over into Eddie, and they go to New York. And then the symbiote's like, "Okay, I got into New York. See you later, deuces." Mm-hmm. And and then it's all bets off at that point, you know, because <coughs> excuse me. One thing that we didn't really talk about when <clears throat> when Peter is is fighting Mysterio in the very end of Far From Home, the the emotion and the anger that Tom Holland sh- gives us, we have not seen that from Spider Man yet. Yes. It has been it has been comedic relief or sadness, and that was I'm fucking pissed. How dare you sully Tony's name like this? How Mm -hmm. dare you trick me as someone who is, you know, still being kind of influenced by this new superhero world he's a part of? Right. And I think that if if you bring that side of Tom Holland into the character Venom or or at least Black Suit Spider-Man, I think it, it, it would be fucking fantastic. Oh, across the board, dude. Like... Uh, and it's weird because, like, when I was leaving the movie, I even told V and Sarah, I was like, you know that movie is really fucking good when I'm thinking of ways they can tie Venom into it. And I did not review that movie very nicely. Mm-hmm. But now that I've seen this movie, just by the the way they're evolving Tom Holland's character, he's he's so, like you just said, so complex. And that's why when he has his time with the symbiote, it's going to suck up a lot of that. It's going to suck up the sadness of Tony's death and the rage of losing his mentor and all these emotions that Parker maybe doesn't feel that he amps up to 11 with the symbiote that then when that gets pulled away from him and goes back to Eddie, it's all bets off. I mean, it's unleashed, unbridled carnage, would you say? Mm. You beat me to it. Yeah, I do my best. I do. Um, all in all, man, Spider-Man Far From Home did it for me. There were so many different Easter eggs and shit I could talk about. and I mean, it was like pretty much every character in that movie, their first appearance was somewhere represented on a license plate somehow. Or like uh, Parker and MJ's first kiss is represented on a license plate as TASM143. T-A-S-M also the first appearance of Cyclone, which was the first villain in the movie at the very beginning in Mexico. And the one uh, that they see on the bridge. Uh, yes. Yep, absolutely. So um, it seems that they just packed so much into this that we're going to be finding and uncovering stuff for a while. Uh, I want to see this movie like eight more times. I will say... For sure, without question, I'm not sure how you watched the film, but this to me, now that I've seen it, is a I have to go rewatch it 3D IMAX. 
absolute must. Just to envision being in Mysterio's scenes in mm-hmm. 3D IMAX doing that would be whew, next level. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Did you see it in 3D IMAX? Mm-mm. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about, like, I brushed through my viewing experience. What was your, who did you go with? I went with um, Dave Big, Dave Linder, uh, Alex Buckles, and AJ. We did huh. the, the late showing Friday night. Hells yeah. Were those the dudes theater- all super hyped on it? Yeah, well, you know, Buckles isn't a Spider-Man guy, and Dave's not really either. I was pretty much the only Spider-Man fan um, in in my in viewing party. And by the end of it, and, and I'm really glad that you brought this up, because this is, you know, you looked at V and Sarah and said, this goes to show how good this movie is. I walked out of the theater hearing Buckles and Dave and AJ and myself all talk about Spider-Man. You've got people who don't even like the character, really, talking about it, about how good it was and and, and how good this individual scene was because of what he did and she did and, and blah, 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 blah. This movie was good enough to make people who don't like the character like it. Yes. It literally just said, like, how can you not? Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. How can you not love this? Uh, I will say that we need to, before we get out of here, we need to discuss something that comes very uh, that comes along with a movie like this releasing, because the money has dropped, and we know how much it brought in, and you know maybe we weren't expecting it. Our blip beards grew in a little long. And uh, I'm trying to find the article right now, of course. When I go to find the article that I want, it just doesn't fucking appear. Ah, here we go. The six-day weekend, because it was the holiday that we just had, a 4th of July. Spider-Man Far From Home opened with a record-breaking $185 million domestic blowing up away the original guesstimations that said 130 million were what this movie was going to bring in in its opening weekend this brought in more money than Shazam's entire theatrical release wow spoiler alert i watched Shazam and i fucking loved it it was really good i do i do cool. highly uh, recommend it surprisingly but yeah <laughs> 185 million uh for the holiday weekend for domestic. It also earned another 500 and oh 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 hold on. It has earned 580 million worldwide with 395 million coming from the overseas market. So it is crushing at the box office. Awesome. It deserves it. It totally does. It beat out Toy Story, Boy Bore Bore Story, as you mm. said. Man, Not good bad. story. Bad story. Uh, well, Tyler, this episode wasn't bad. I want to say we had a pretty good one. I thought, even uh, with technical it, difficulties, it, which they probably won't even notice. Honestly, that's the great thing about uh, the profession of editing. Really, goodly, is that you won't know. We will, but that's about as far as that goes. Um, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to add? Go see Spider-Man: Far From Home. I second that. Also, if you can find it, p- 
pick up a copy of The Walking Dead 193. Yes. Um, but you're probably going to have to get the second print that they just rushed back to stands because of how fast it sold out. Uh, that's a little added bonus there. Uh, folks, as always, you can get the Journey Into Comics podcast on our Journey Into Comics network right here at journeyintocomics.com. How many times will I say Journey Into Comics today? Who knows? Not enough. Uh, but you'll get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics network. Then you'll subscribe, and you'll get all the different shows on our network. You can also go to patreon.com backslash journeyintocomics. Give us whatever dinero you can afford to throw at us month to month. We'll give you some extra bonus content, some early access, and all kinds of other goodies, just depending on what you are looking for, folks. I think that is going to do it for this week's episode of Journey Into Comics. 251 Embracing the Peter Tingle. I have been your host, Nate. And I've been Tyler. We will see you folks next week. And as always, pop them caps back. And uh, what are they supposed to do? Fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.